0: we believe that all people are beloved image bearers of god imbued with dignity we believe that the arc of the moral universe bends toward justice we believe in the reality of redemption still we cannot deny that the human story is one filled with oppression and injustice but although we can't deny it we can defy it We can use our eyes to truly see the injustice around and within us. We can let our hearts fill with the compassion of Christ for those who are suffering. And we can put our hands to work to right these wrongs and break these cycles wherever we find them. We can participate in the coming Shalom. We can choose justice. justice, justice. Benjamin has been, uh, did our first two lessons in this series, and and he painted a picture for us of, of a vision of many things that are easy for us to ignore that are going on in the world, but things that are very real and true that are going on, that there are individuals and there are groups that are experiencing things that aren't right, they aren't fair, they aren't just, And they aren't good. And he did a great job of using stories and scriptures to talk about not only what our heart should be, but really what the heart of God is about these things. That if you look at the biblical narrative as a whole, so often the stories, the subtext of what's going on in these narratives is about one group and the oppression that they are facing, and God saying, That's not good that's not good. These people are slaves in Egypt. That is not good. Let them go. These people have been captured by Assyrians and Babylonians. They're being persecuted by Philistines and Midianites. Those stories show the heart of God throughout the Bible, that God has said, it's not good. It's not good. It's not right. Now, It has been good to shine a light and talk about things that are going on with others, but it is unavoidable in the process of talking about these types of things going on, not just in ancient times, not just in the past, but going on here even in our communities, in our neighborhoods, that there are situations, there are people, there are groups that are not being treated with justice that are not being treated with fairness in the heart of God, not just in the past, but even in this moment, is for his people to engage in those discussions, in those moments, to be a voice of love and compassion. And that's the heart of God. But even as we talk about our heart for others, we cannot avoid those feelings And different types of feelings coming up in us as we work through that. As we see the things going on in the world, there are lots of different reactions we can have. And you know, just from being on Facebook, that people have lots of different reactions to this. Benjamin has been working from the book of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah. And and he's been reading from a section in Nehemiah chapter 5. And it tells the story about a time when the people of God were on a very important building project. A project that was important for keeping them safe, for keeping them secure, for building their group and keeping everyone safe, the family safe, giving kids a place to grow and to flourish and everyone a place to succeed. Well, in the middle of this important and noble mission, Nehemiah finds out that there are some people within the community that are suffering tremendously. That they are suffering through so much poverty, through so much difficulty, that they're actually having to sell their own children into slavery to take care of their families. I mean, that's the lowest of the low. That's the most horrible of horribles. And when he hears this, verse 6, Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 6, Nehemiah is the narrator here. He says, When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I was very angry. Now, the reality is when we talk about these types of injustices, these things going on in the world, I don't know anyone that really truly engages deeply in these discussions that does not get angry. That doesn't get angry. Now, what's interesting to me is the more people I talk to in my life, they all get angry, but sometimes we get angry for different reasons. And sometimes those reasons for our anger are the exact opposite of each other. Like everybody's angry, but they're angry about different stuff. And it causes us to fight and argue. Now, some people are angry because they look at the injustice and they say, this is just not right. How can we live in a society where we have come so far together? We have grown so much, and yet we still have not conquered this. How can this be? And then you start to identify and categorize everything that is wrong about our society, and you go to Twitter, and you search for things, and lo and behold, you find there's even more injustice than you thought. It's everywhere, all over the place. And in fact, the more you look at it, the more you realize that every single one of us are the problem. You're the problem, and you're the problem, and oh my goodness, this guy over here is the problem too. And 90% of us are the problem, and we are all Nazis, and it is never wrong to punch a Nazi in the face. So, let's start now with you. You've seen it, right? It is so easy to go down that track. It is so easy to move from anger about the injustice. It is only a small leap from anger to hatred. It's only a small leap. It's not far. But then, on the other side, there are people that get angry for different reasons. They hear these kinds of discussions like we've been talking about, and saying, hey, we need to step up. We need to fill the gap. We need to do something about this. And they get angry about these discussions because they say, this ain't my problem. People get what they deserve. In fact, there are at least 10 passages in the Bible that say, you, you reap what you sow, that everyone gets what they deserve, and that if people aren't where they want to be, if they are suffering, if they are hurting, if they are poor, it's because they haven't worked hard enough. It's because they don't have a good work ethic. It's because they don't have good values. They probably aren't good moral people either, and they're getting what they deserve, There's two places in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that say things like, if a person doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. And probably they're not eating because they're not working. And they get mad when you bring up these discussions because this isn't my fault. This is someone else's fault. Because there's plenty of opportunity everywhere if you will just go seize it. Now, that doesn't just extend into the world out there. That also extends to the homes and the families we live in every day. Because we say to ourselves, the problem with you, kid, is that you're just not working hard enough. The problem with this marriage is you. You're not a good enough person. And if you would just behave better, this marriage would work out. And if you would just take out your garbage when you're supposed to next door neighbor and shut up your dog when you're supposed to, this neighborhood would be wonderful. This is your fault. This is your fault. Now, how are we supposed to feel about this? And is that even a decent question? Because I don't like to be told how to feel. Do you like that? I can tell you one thing for certain. My wife doesn't like that. When she feels something and I'm listening to her how she feels and I'm thinking to myself, I don't think you should feel this way. I don't think that's justice. I have found that 100% of the time when I say I think your feelings are wrong, it does not work out well for me. So I don't recommend that to you. So then what do we do? What do we do when we talk about these aspects of justice and we got two angry people, and yet they're angry for opposite reasons, and we can't reconcile it? How do we reconcile what's going on in us and our feelings? And how do we posture and position ourselves when someone else is having such strong feelings that we just think are ridiculous? In fact, the more you talk about your anger, the more angry I get in my anger. And the more justification I have as I listen to you talk about my anger for why you're an idiot and probably a Nazi and should be punched in the face. Yeah, thanks. If only you'd laugh more at me at home. How do we handle this? So, let me start by saying I don't have all the answers. But I want to share a question with you. I want to invite you to ask yourself a question. A question that you don't just invite, ask yourself here today in this moment, but that you might start asking in a lot of moments. And let me give you this preference. It's a terrible question. Horrible. Not because on the surface it's so horrible. But because the wrestling with this question leads you to places that are kind of uncomfortable. I know because I've been wrestling with this question for years. And the question is this Are people really doing the best they can? Are people really doing the best they can? Now, I know some people that would, without hesitation, say no, no. People are not doing the best they can. And essentially, Brett, pretty much everything that's wrong with the world is wrong with the world because people just aren't doing the best they can. They know better. They know better. They know they're not working hard enough. They know they're taking advantage of the system. They know they're not morally right. They know their values aren't good. They know they're not the kind of family people they should be. They don't care about their kids enough, and they know it. And no, Brett, they are not doing the best they can. But then there are people that say and come to it with the philosophy and say, I've talked to a lot of people, and I've heard a lot of stories And sure, we're human, and we make mistakes. But at their core, I think people are generally good. And I think they're doing the best they can. I think they're doing the best they can. And I think we owe it to them as a community, as a society, to fill in the gaps. To fill in the gaps to help them achieve the success that others are achieving, to help them live beautiful, wonderful, abundant lives. Because they're doing the best they can, and this is the best they can do. Now, Jesus, if you look at the stories of Jesus, there are stories that go both ways. There are plenty of stories where Jesus is standing in front of a group of people, and he's saying, you people are hypocrites you are a nest of vipers you know better and you're not doing it in fact you're whitewashed tombs you have painted the outside to look real nice but inside you're dead men's bones you are not doing your best in fact you know better than this you were raised to know better than this you know the law and yet you're not doing it You're not doing it. And yet, though, also, there are verses like, let's see here, Mark chapter 6. Where is this verse? I love this verse. This story of Jesus in Mark chapter 6, where he's in the midst of his ministry and he's talking to a group of people and he looks out among them. And he says in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Okay. Uh, There it is. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. He had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were doing the best they could, but they needed some leadership they needed some help. They needed some help. There's a story of Jesus who these leaders in the community manipulate a situation through their self-righteousness where they bring before Jesus a woman who had been caught in adultery. The law was clear she should be killed for that. Now where the man who was part of this adultery was, we have no idea, but in this particular situation, the woman is who we have. And Jesus says, whoever in this group is without, the first, is without sin, you throw the first stone. Because the law was this woman was going to be stoned to death. They were going to throw rocks at her until she was dead. And yet Jesus said, you who are without sin, you throw the first stone. And when everyone had walked away, they, the woman said, where are all the accusers? And Jesus said, they, they've left. And I don't accuse you either go and sin no more. I think Jesus was looking at this situation and looking at this woman and saying, she's doing the best she can. She's doing the best she can. Let's fill in the gap with grace. Then there's a moment where Jesus is going to his death. Going to his death. He's been beaten. He's been tortured. He's been mocked. And in the midst of all of that, he looks over this group of people, and everyone is against him. And he says to God, Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They're doing the best they can do. Have grace, have mercy. Fill in the gap. Are people really doing the best they can do? I wish I could give you an absolute answer to that question. That you could just say, you know, here's going to be my philosophy for all situations. In all situations, I'm just going to say, no, they're not. Or yes, they are. But I can't give you that answer. There is no absolute truth of every situation with humans because we're weird and complex and messy. I've known me for a long time, and the longer I know myself, the weirder I get. But this question is not about absolute answers, it's about empathy, it's about openness. It's about connectedness. It's about sitting in a situation with a child and asking yourself, are they doing the best they can do? And being present with them in that moment and letting the most honest, compassionate answer to that question guide the way you lead them forward. It's about doing that With the other adult human being maybe you live with. In the midst of all of the fights and arguing and challenges and issues. Where your heart instantly wants to say, they know better than this. They are not doing the best they can do. They're just not. To instead wonder for a moment, because maybe that is true. Maybe they are just doing it to make you mad. (laughs) But maybe. Maybe they're doing the best they can do. And who they showed up as today is their best. And you have to be the voice of God to fill in the gap with grace. But then it's about the world. It's about that coworker. It's about that person that won't take their garbage cans back in after they have left them out for three days, who the newspapers are piling up in their front yard, who they're building some edifice, they're building some edifice in their backyard that you know is not approved by the HOA. And to ask yourself the question, How are they doing the best they can? Because I do think that the more we ask ourselves that question, the more we open ourselves up to a kind of compassion and kindness that allows us to see things in people we did not see before. To bring compassion and mercy and kindness and love that we never brought before. And to be angry, but not to sin. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 says Be angry. Be angry don't sin where is the difference between the anger and the sin what holds the space between the two sympathy it's sympathy it's the ability to be present in a moment with someone without allowing the pain you carry from the past to affect your ability to truly be present with love and compassion in this very moment. In this very moment, to be with them. Because what was the purpose of all this justice talk anyway? What was the purpose? Now, on a micro level, on a small level, we talk about justice because of the individuals and families that we want to help. That we as a group, as a community, long. You know that story about the starfish where the guy walks along the beach and all these starfish have come up on the shore. And he walks down the beach and he's picking one up at a time and throwing it back into the ocean. And somebody walks over to him and says, why are you doing this? The beach is covered with starfish. You will never get them back in. It does not matter these one at a time you're doing. And the man picks up another starfish and throws it in and says, it mattered to that one. It mattered to that one. That story's been told a million times. And that is beautiful. That's a beautiful image of the impact of our lives. But the reality is... That the reason God calls us to that spirit of compassion is even bigger than that. It's even bigger than the life of that one person. It's about all of us and the world we are building together. Colossians chapter 2. I love these verses here. Paul had such a way of talking about love and compassion. And in Colossians chapter 2, he's talking about his struggle, how much he's struggled, how much he's gone through, how much difficulty he's endured. But here's what he says in verse 2, my purpose. Here's my purpose. Here's the reason why I'm doing all this is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. The old King James Version that was translated centuries ago says, knitted together in love. Knitted together in love. That's the reason Paul's been doing all this. That's his purpose. So that we would have a community a society, a world, knitted together in love, the restoration of shalom, of wholeness. The Bible starts out with a story of two people in a garden with the tree of life, eating from the tree of life. I don't even know what that means. That they were eating from the tree of life. Maybe it just means they were going to live forever. That as long as they could eat from the tree of life, they would have eternal life in their physical bodies. But I suspect it means even more. Because the translation, when Jesus talks about eternal life, he's not just talking about living forever. He's talking about abundant life. Full life. Real life. Deep life. And so when these people at the very beginning in the first two chapters of the book of Genesis are eating from the tree of life, I suspect what they were experiencing was so much more than just a, we're not ever gonna die physically. I think it was abundant life, abundant life. And did you know that in the final chapter of the Bible, in the book of Revelations, there's people gathering back together at the tree of life. That after Adam and Eve so many centuries and millennium ago were kicked out of that garden not to have access. The way the story begins is with us getting kicked out, but the way it ends in triumph, in victory, in celebration, is all of us together together At the tree of life. This moment, we are living between two trees. We're between. And yet, every moment, every day, every choice, every step we make forward together is another moment in our journey. Back to that tree of life. Back to all of us gathering together in oneness, in wholeness, in abundance, in celebration, knit together in love, partaking together from the tree of life again. Again. Full of compassion. Justice is about more than restoring what is right to one person, one family, one group. Justice is about our movement together to the kind of world, the kind of collective shalom, peace, that we are striving for. I don't know about you, but I long on some small level to be part of that movement. To be part of that to know that my life contributes to that wholeness. So I do not have a a complete, absolute answer for you to are people doing the best they can? But I do know that in a lot of moments, as I think about my purpose and Paul's purpose here, to move us towards that being knit together in love, very often, just assuming the best. Just assuming that people are doing the best they can brings me closer to that than the other version. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I might be a complete naive fool for thinking that about the people I love and the people I don't even know. But I suspect that the more we think the best, the more we assume the best, the more we as individuals feel the energy, the strength, the motivation, the drive within us to push closer to compassion, to wholeness, to take another step together toward us, all of us, not just those in this room, but everyone one day standing together that tree of life. What a joy that will be. I can feel it. I can see it. And, and I long to be hands and feet and voice that move us toward it every day, every word every choice. Let's pray for that together right now. God, there is a longing within us for wholeness, for this world to be whole, for there to be peace and blessing and abundance in the lives of every single individual that we can share in that together, that we can look into each other's eyes, into each other's lives, and feel the abundance, the goodness, the light that you have put in each one of us shining through. We long for that day, for that moment. Give us wisdom. Give us courage. Give us compassion to pursue it. To let that vision of what could be, what's possible, what in hope we strive for. Help it to be so real for us that each day we are motivated and desire to help each other get closer, to help in whatever way we can walk each other home. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.